Hello and welcome to the Spring Church audio blog. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm the pastor at Spring Church. Today's blog, as we prepare for the service this Sunday, is all about helping us prepare for this next season that we're entering into, the, the growing season uh, in the church calendar, and how we're going to get to study the lives of two women, uh, Ab- Hannah and Abigail, as a way of a case study for our big idea uh, this blog is all about helping us get prepared for that for this coming Sunday. So as a way of intro to that, let me ask you, what are life's challenges that get you fired up? I could list several, but in the interest of brevity, I'll list just three. Uh, these aren't the most important three, mind you, just a sampling. I care deeply about the environment. For many reasons, stewardship of this creation is incredibly important to me. One foundational reason is because I believe that heaven is already here on earth and that at the end of time, heaven and earth will be fully united again. I believe Jesus invites me to care for the earth, not only for our benefit now, but to help us prepare to spend eternity with this earth too. Second, I care deeply about social justice. The issues that cause us to divide from one another, oppress one another, and harm one another matter a great deal to me. While there are multiple reasons why social justice matters to me, one foundational reason is because the people who disagree with me will be in heaven with me. I believe Jesus invites us to love our enemies, not only for our benefit now, but to help prepare us to spend eternity with them too. Third, I care deeply about uncommon friendship. In this life, God often uses people who are invisible, overlooked, or misunderstood to help show me how to walk in the direction Jesus is walking in. I believe Jesus invites us into uncommon friendships, not only for our benefit now, but to help prepare us to be led by uncommon friends for eternity, too. What are life's challenges that get you fired up? Maybe it's politics, race, sex, the coronavirus, identity, or some other worthy cause. How is that issue influenced by the union of heaven and earth here and now? Would we respond differently to life's challenges if we believed that, when we died, heaven and earth were fully united again, so we will simultaneously stay here and enter heaven? That's a big question to sit with, and we're going to sit with that question for a few months. Jesus invites us to go ahead and start living like we're in heaven, even though we know we're not quite there yet. That is a bizarre invitation, no doubt about it. There are several things that make this bizarre, but... In the interest of brevity, I'll name just two. One, while we might think of heaven as far off, the Bible thinks of heaven as near. In our culture, people tend to talk about heaven as a far-off place, where we'll be sitting on clouds, wearing robes and halos, playing harps, and singing to God all the time. Forever. Does that sound like a boring place to you as it does to me? But when the Bible talks about heaven, so often the focus is on things near. Jesus would tell people that the kingdom of God has come near, like he did in Matthew chapter 12, 28, Mark 12, 34, Luke 17, 21, to name just a few. And he also told his disciples to do the same, like he did in Luke 10, 9. And Jesus invites us into this kingdom life now. There's so many places in the Bible where Jesus invites us into this kingdom life now. A fun one to look at if you wanted to would be Mark 10, verses 14 to 15. And then the second reason is because some might think of heaven as a place where all my problems go away. And I know that that will happen at the end of time, like it tells us in Revelation 7. 
But nowadays, I've noticed that walking in the direction Jesus is walking in doesn't make all of life's challenges go away. Perhaps you've noticed this, too. The Bible Project has a great, succinct video on this particular topic, and I encourage you to give it a look. Uh, if you go to thebibleproject.com, uh, either their own website or on YouTube, and look up uh, Heaven and Earth is the name of the video, does a fantastic job of showing uh, this in, a, in their wonderful, whimsical sort of way. So for the next season, we're going to define the kingdom of God is the union of heaven and earth. And we're going to explore how this union of heaven and earth tends to show up in the challenging places in life. Our big idea for the growing season, which is from now until Advent, which starts the Sunday after Thanksgiving, is God reveals his kingdom so we can walk together through life's challenges. The Bible is full of examples of people who are living in his kingdom, even in the midst of hopeless situations. But we're going to look at the lives of two women as case studies for us to examine. We're going to spend the first half of the growing season with Hannah, which comes from the uh, 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. And then we're going to spend the second half with Abigail, which comes from 1 Samuel chapter 25. Before we're introduced to Hannah, there's a few reasons I'd like to highlight why she's such a great example for us. One, Hannah's situation is so hopeless, her soul became bitter. Hey, remember from Ruth last year how her mother Naomi wanted to change her name to Mara, which means bitter? God seems to show up in people to people who are feeling bitter. And the kingdom living responds with prayer and pouring out her hearts to God. Hannah takes her bitterness and pours out her hearts to God. I love that. Uh, the second reason is because of uncommon friendship. The priest in the story is supposed to be representing God to the people. And in this story, Hannah represents God to the priest. Kingdom living means that unexpected people are often leaders. The third reason why I love this story, and why she's such a great example, is that her husband Elkanah loves Hannah, but doesn't yet know how to care for her or comfort her well. Have you ever been going through a hard time and you didn't feel like people knew how to comfort you well? Me too. And have you ever struggled with how to comfort others going through a hard time? Me too. Kingdom living invites us into these spaces all the time. And while we're on that subject... Fourth reason why I think Hannah is a great example for us is that when this story says she went on her way and ate a good meal, it shows how kingdom living means she didn't choose to isolate herself. She rejoined her community, her family, and even that woman, Panina, who made her life miserable. Fifth reason, notice that they ate together as a part of worship. Hey, have you ever wondered why Spring Church does this too? Sixth and finally, Hannah's life reminds us that God answers prayer. So with that, I'd like to introduce you to Hannah. And this is uh, my translation of 1 Samuel chapter 1. So there was this guy from Mamathim Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroboam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one is Hannah, which means grace, and the name of the other is Panina, which means jewel. Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man went up from his city at all the appropriate holidays to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of angel armies at Shiloh. And there were two, there were the word to the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, who were priests of the Lord. And on the day Elkanah made his sacrifice, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons their portions of the blessed meat. But to Hannah he gave the best cut of the blessed meat because he really loved her, even though the Lord had closed her womb. So that woman bullied and harassed her, just like she always did, because the Lord had closed her womb. 
That's the way it happened year after year. Whenever she went to the house of the Lord, that woman would bully her. So Hannah wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah said to his wife, Hannah, Why are you weeping? And Why aren't you eating? Why are you heartbroken? I know you don't have kids, but aren't I more than enough? Then Hannah stood up after eating and drinking in Shiloh. And Eli the priest was sitting in the seat of honor by the doorpost in the temple of the Lord. Her soul became bitter, and she prayed and prayed to the Lord while she wept and wept. She swore up and down, and she said, Lord of angel armies, if you'll take a good hard look at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and actually do something about this and give me a son, I will give him to you completely, unreservedly, and I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. And she went on multiplying her prayers before the Lord. And Eli observed her mouth. Because as Hannah was praying in her heart, her lips were moving, but no voice was heard. So Eli figured she was drunk. And Eli said to her, How long will you keep on being drunk? Sober up and be done with your wine. But Hannah answered, No, sir, I'm a woman with a broken heart, and I've not drunk a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I've poured out is my heart to the Lord. Don't take me for a bad woman. My great sorrow and terrible situation is why I'm still here praying. So Eli answered, Go in peace. May the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. And she replied, I hope you see the way God blesses me. Then she went on her way, ate a good meal, and she looked like her joyful self again. Thanks for joining our audio blog, and I hope to get to see you on Sunday as we explore how our big idea intersects with her life there. Where, uh, Once again, our big idea is God reveals his kingdom so we can walk together through life's challenges. Looking forward to walking through life with you. Shalom.